Lord God, you truly are worthy of all glory, all honor, all praise. Lord, we worship you this morning. We thank you, God, for you are God and you are good. We love you, Lord, not just for all that you do. We love you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, God, for being you. Thank you, God, for all the goodness that you show us, your kindness. You do those things because that's who you are. God is love, the scriptures tell us. Those of us who have experienced you personally know that that is so true. Your love. We thank you, God, for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, Christianity throughout time and church history, uh, it tends to drift. And there'll be course corrections along the way. And so, uh, since, since the beginning, there have been course corrections in the church. And so, uh, early on, uh, we, there was a recognition that the church had drifted into traditionalism and, 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 and power plays and use, a, use of religion for personal gain and tyranny. And so, we had what was called the Reformation and tried to, to bring some correction to the church. And even then, after that, Protestant churches began using the same tools uh, of uh, tyranny to, to oppress people groups. Uh, as church history continues, as time goes on, there will be, the Lord will bring about a move, and, 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 and those moves of God would, would sometimes turn into something different. Uh, they were all necessary. They were all used by God. I believe most of them were. Uh, but for instance, John and Charles Wesley, they, they had, a, a, as many preachers do, will kind of have a, a life theme. And their life theme was that of personal holiness. And though they would fire preachers and they were going around the country, uh, England and then here, and just preaching the gospel uh, and, and talking about personal holiness, that was a move of God of, of, of like restoring back to the church some things that were necessary. Even in that time, uh, that was uh, used by God, but it become a denomination we now know as the Methodists. Things would happen throughout church history and different things would pop up and, and maybe some, some fiery preacher would, would have his life theme and then kind of stuff would begin surrounding him and it would become another denomination. Such as there was a, you know, a group that really wanted to focus on the, a high view of God and his sovereignty, and we would now know them as Presbyterians. Or uh, another group that would really talk about the personal relationship with Jesus Christ and priesthood of the believer, and we would know them as the Baptists. And these were groups that throughout history, they didn't start as a group, they started the move of God. But God would be bringing uh, back to the church Things that I believe were originally in the church, but the church drifts over time. Does that make sense? So uh, there was a a great pastor, preacher, theologian known as A.W. Tozer. And he's probably one of the the most trusted theologians of all time. And Tozer said, and he was in the 50s and 60s, and, and Tozer said, the missing jewel of the church is worship. Is worship. Shortly after Tozer, and I believe that he had more insight in the, 
and, and, and kind of his head on the heart of God. And so what he was simply saying was what God was starting. And God began starting about that time a, a restoration of the church back to worship. Amen. But anytime God does something true, Satan wants to get right in the middle of it. And I remember in the 80s and in the 90s what we would call worship wars. So anybody, anybody remember the worship wars? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I love that we have folks that never experienced that because it was brutal. And by the way, still goes on in a lot of churches. Worship wars are simply this, that there would be those who really wanted to, uh, to, to dive into true worship, not just singing about God, but singing to God, and, and yet even that could turn into a stylization of a type of singing and a type of music, and then you'd have others who, they didn't like that style, and so we'd have clashes over style. Now am I getting anywhere with anybody? Yeah. Clashes over style. And so sometimes we get asked at Sand Springs, what kind of church are you? Well, that's a crazy question. And they say, okay, what kind of music do you have? And uh, kind of like the old saying, what kind of music is there? Well, there's two kinds, country and western. Well, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would respond, what kind, how you worship in spirit and in truth. That's how we worship. Yeah. And uh, that's not really what they were going for. And so I think it's a very selfish and surface level question Wanting to know what style we are. Yeah. Because that is a, it's, a, it's an immaturity on behalf of some that they want to know if you will appeal to their soulish senses. And so uh, culture uh, has been shifting all through time, but the church, I believe the Lord is bringing back things that were lost and he brought back worship to the church. Amen. Amen. Now, some might disagree, and you have a right to be wrong, but uh, <laughs> I think what God is doing in the church of Jesus Christ today is he's getting it real close. He's getting it, he's getting it ready for his return. Amen. Amen. And if we can't get worship right, what are we going to do in heaven? Because we, we sang part of what we're going to sing in heaven. Holy, holy, holy. It's going on right now in glory. The angels are singing to the Lord. Holy is the Lord Almighty. Today we are continuing talking about the culture of Sand Springs and who we are as a church. Again, there's always going to be a culture. You're going to drift into a culture accidentally or you're going to choose the culture that you desire to have. And so I, I said we want, to, we want to choose our culture. And so we are a, a culture. We, as a church, we have the culture of worship. We are a church of worshipers and we are a church that worships. Amen? doesn't have to do with any kind of style. It doesn't have to do it with any... It, it's a matter of when you truly worship, you translate into a different domain. domain. You, you, you move from the physical into the spiritual when you are worshiping in spirit and truth. You, you just move from the natural into the supernatural when you're truly worshiping. You move from self-consciousness and others' consciousness to God-consciousness. When you really worship in style or what type of music, I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But, if it, but I'm going to tell you one thing, just personal note. I'd a whole lot rather sing to God than just about Him. I don't know. It seems, it seems important to me. 
So today I'm going to uh, I'm going to point out some things that uh, uh, the question would rise during these worship wars, and this question might still rise up in your mind today: is is maybe you're a new believer? Maybe this is all new to you? Maybe you came from a a more solemn background? I did uh, a solemn. But I remember uh, early on when you saw people raise their hands. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> we just had love thy neighbor last Sunday, and and I we were sitting next to some people that I think we made them very uncomfortable, <laughs> and that's fun because uh, <laughs> I don't have any problem with it. I used to have a real problem with it. I'm gonna tell you the truth. I used to have a real problem uh, just raising my hands to the Lord, and I had questions that rolled around in my mind: Is is that even biblical? Is that right? You know what's what. You know, I had all kinds of stuff. And then I would lie about it. And I'm telling you the truth, I was lying because I, I didn't know I was lying until the Lord revealed to me I'm lying. When I would say, well, I'm not a very expressive person. I'm not a very expressive person. So, you know, I, I just, you know, I just sing and, and uh, I can clap. I have a problem clapping, uh, but I'm not a very expressive person. So that was a lie. You let the Cowboys score a touchdown and I'm running through the house back and forth and I'm screaming and hollering and the Lord's like, not expressive, huh? Uh, Cassie said it one day best when, uh, when she was here leaving one in worship. She said, uh, someone asked, do you always feel that way? Do you feel like you should worship the Lord in the way that you... And the answer was, it doesn't matter how I feel, it's what he's worth. Is he worthy of it? Absolutely, he's worthy of it. But back to the question of, is it biblical? We're going to look at seven words that are Hebrew words for the word praise. In the English Bibles, you will have one word, and it's simply the word praise. But in the Hebrew, there's actually seven words, and we're going to look at those seven. The first one is yada. And yada is to revere or worship with extended hands. Amen? Amen. To worship with extended hands. That happens to be the first one in the list of, and one of the most used. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise Yada you. So is raising hands in church biblical? Well, I'll let you know that the Hebrew faith, that's the roots to your Christian faith. That's your roots. That's your spiritual roots. And so absolutely it's biblical to revere and worship God with extended hands. Let's look at the next one. The next one is halal. Last Sunday, I mentioned right as I got onto the platform that the highest word in human language is hallelujah. It comes from this word. This is the root word of it. It is to boast, to celebrate, to clamorously, to be clamorously foolish. To be, you ought to have fun in church. You ought to enjoy the Lord. You ought to celebrate the Lord because he's good. Amen. If I can celebrate the stinking cowboys that I don't even watch anymore, just got sick of it all. If I can tell, and I never thought I'd be there, but I'm there. Uh, <laughs> if I can celebrate that, can I not celebrate my good God? Who never loses, <laughs> who has never failed, I think I could celebrate him. And I can act just as, 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 as fun and exciting with the Lord. As I can some silly sporting event. 
So, halal. Halal, as that full expression, as I said, hallelujah, means praise and that kind of praise to Yahweh. Hallelujah. Amen. It's the highest word in the human expression. It's the greatest thing you could ever say. And sometimes it's the only thing you need to say. Amen. In the midst of whatever, hallelujah. <laughs> Just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let them praise his name with dancing. They ain't Baptists right there. I, I grew up Baptist. You know. <laughs> All right. Sometimes, yeah, story time. You knew it. You knew it. You saw the look and said, here he goes. That's the look of, should I filter it? No, I'm not going to filter it. So, you all know why Baptists are against fornication? It might lead to dancing. So that's why I, <laughs> I grew up Baptist. I know all the jokes. So, let them praise Halal his name with dancing. Some of you are just now getting it. Some of you are just, oh, I got it. <laughs> with, and make music to him with a timbrel and harp, Psalm 149.3. So halal, to praise him. Celebrate the Lord. I love to celebrate the Lord. I love a church that celebrates. I love to walk in the building and it feels like, oh, there's a party going on in here. Rather than, is there a funeral happening today? I love to celebrate the Lord. Sometimes we have, uh, as Miss Ingrid is, is seeking the Lord on what kind of music to bring on a Sunday. Sometimes it's celebratory. And sometimes it's more solemn. This morning, she brought uh, uh, solemn music and totally messed me up. I'm glad y'all wasn't here in the first service. I bawled my eyes out. I couldn't hardly preach. I do not do well crying. But the songs that we have sung today, the very first song we sang, I Love You, Lord. And I time training horses, I would so many times as I just out there in the woods or out there in the pasture on horseback, I just sing, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice and just singing to the Lord. The horses would calm down. Never got thrown singing that song. And uh, man, that's worship. Uh, just expressing your love to the Lord. And, and then she led us in a song, uh, Back to the Heart of Worship. That song is so old that it's new again. <laughs> and uh, maybe you've never heard it before, but I used to lead our youth group in that song. And I remember just playing my guitar and singing the song and those kids just worshiping in the Lord. And, and, and I remember us going to the youth camp and, and we would go and they would just get so on fire and just, and just so wrapped up in expressive worship at youth camp and I would watch them on Thursday night grieve and cry because they were coming back to a church that was cold and dead and could not worship the Lord that way. It would be so, it would just hurt them because they'd have to wait another year to worship the Lord the way they worshiped at youth camp. You want, you want to know why that I will fight for young people and fight for them being able to serve the Lord in the house of the Lord, to be able to worship the Lord in the house of the Lord, because I've watched them bawl their eyes out when they couldn't, and they had to wait another year to get back to youth camp. And so, yes, you can count on it. I'll fight for them. Here was my expression when Caleb was 16 years old and leading worship. 
I said, if, uh, if our young people ask me for something, I'm going to always try and say yes. Unless it's immoral, unbiblical, or it costs too much. <laughs> I'm going to try and say yes. But anyway, back to the heart of worship. What a powerful song. And, and, and our young people don't even know, they didn't even know that that's exactly where the church was, what we were doing as the church of Jesus Christ worldwide. That God was bringing a movement in the church back to the heart of worship. Amen. You want to know the difference in, in some churches that are vibrantly growing and some that are dying? That's the difference. And I'm not talking about style. I was... Uh, I, I'm just kind of now just talking off the <laughs> uh, of overflow and not from my notes, so I'll come back to that in a little bit. I was uh, in, in another location, another city. I'm not going to name the city. I'm not going to name the churches because they, some of them watch us online. And I was there, and uh, we went to this church that was very slick and trendy. It was excellent. The location was awesome. It was a it was a cool looking church. You walked in, they had everything like it was supposed to be, and and, and I mean they had the, the greeters, and it, it, it was it was you you walk in like man, this is this is impressive, this is nice, and then the the music happened. I'm like, oh, these guys have been practicing. They they they've hired them some good musicians. By the way, I'd like to point out that ours are all volunteer. Praise God. And they've been here since probably before you were awake. Every Sunday, they're here before 7 o'clock, and they don't leave sometimes until after 2. Praise God for them. I remember going to that one church, and, and I was like, ooh, impressive. And then we begin worshiping, and I'm like, hmm, something's missing. Something's missing. And then the preacher got up, and he was sharp and had a well-laid-out sermon. And, and I thought, oh... Now I know what's missing. Your theology will direct how you worship the Lord. And his theology, uh, it was a lot of focus on the mind and very little on the heart. And I won't go into what branch of theology it was, but I picked it up instantly. I'm like, that's what's missing. And then I went to, the next Sunday, went to uh, a church just a couple miles down the road. And, and at that church, it was old. The people were older, not young and trendy. The music was subpar. Had a, a, a plumber on the guitar and leading, and he was doing the best he could. And, and uh, do you know what? I felt the presence of the Lord. It, it wasn't slick. It wasn't excellent. It was certainly not a performance. It was, it was an old building. They were still trying to figure out what to do with the building. It, it was... It was it was not the one thing that you'd say, oh, I'm excited about going to that building, or oh, I can't wait to hear that praise team, or, but I know one thing, I felt the difference when I walked into that place. It was a house of worship. There's a difference when the Spirit of the Lord is there. What causes the Spirit of the Lord to be at one place and not the other? Well, worship God inhabits the praises of his people. And when we lift up Jesus, the Holy Spirit says, that's my job. I'm showing up. <laughs> he illuminates Christ. And so when we illuminate Christ, we worship him, the Holy Spirit comes and fills the house. Amen. Amen. So if sometimes you think, uh, why does it feel different here? Because the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Amen.
Amen. I, 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 love, I love it when I hear people say that. I just walked in the building. It's like, ooh, there's something here. Yeah, there's someone here. Amen. There's someone. Uh, I don't know where we're at. What's the next one? Have you kept up with it? All right. Zamar. To make music. Can I point out that worship does not have to have music? So this particular word expresses that this is a praise with music. To make music, to celebrate in song and music, to touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument. So Hebrew words often kind of give you a word picture. And so this word simply means to touch the strings. Uh, You don't have to have uh, an ability to play an instrument to Zamar. You have the instrument of ten strings. So you you can clap along with the Lord, celebrate Him. I will sing a new song to you, O God, on a harp of ten strings. I will sing Zamar to you. Amen? Amen. Let's let, and let me just point this out once we're talking about music. Uh, music is a very powerful, can be very spiritual uh, means of worshiping. Elisha, as he was uh, uh, asked to get a word from the Lord, he said, bring me a harpist. He, he was seeking the direction of the Lord for a nation, and, and he said, bring me some music. And so they brought in the music and he got a word. Why is it that we have the music at the beginning of the message? Because music can be absolutely spiritual. It can, it can appeal to the, the part of us as a human being that, that just, just sets past the intellect and gets to the emotions. And, and music can be so stirring. But also God loves worship. And he shows up when we worship. Amen. All right, next one. Let's look at Todah. Todah. I use this when I'm in Israel. I use this all the time. It simply means thank you. Todah Rabah. Thank you very much. To the, and, and, and here's the, the picture that comes with this word, an extension of the hand. Thanksgiving, a confession, a sacrifice of praise. Thanksgiving for things not yet received. You know what you call that? Faith. When you're thanking God for things that you don't have yet, that's faith. And so whoever offers to die glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Amen. Amen. Let's look at the next one. Barak. To kneel. To bless God as an act of adoration. To praise, to salute, to thank Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him, and he shall live, and the gold of Sheba will be given to him. Prayer also will be made for him continually and daily. He shall be praised. This is a a matter of just kneeling before the Lord. Sometimes you go flat out before the Lord. And you know why sometimes we worship in different ways? Sometimes your condition calls for a different position. Sometimes I am in a contemplative state in which this is not celebration time this is where like the scripture says let their laughter be brought to mourning this is a time in which which i need to be solemn before god it's not a time to to be celebrating because god is bringing me into a deeper state so there are times where this is absolutely appropriate is to just get down on your knees before the lord just just lay out before the lord let's look at that next one Tehillah, and I may not be saying that right, but Tehillah is a laudation, a hymn, a song of praise, a new song, a spontaneous song. Some of you are thinking that looks a lot like tequila. (laughs) 
That's a libation. Different word altogether. <laughs> so, Tehillah. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises, Tehillah of Israel. A hymn, a song. Again, not all worship is singing. I, I, I don't like it when we separate the services that we have at Sand Spring and say, did you get there in time for the worship? No, I just made it in time for the word. Did you get there in time for the music? No, I just got there for the message. No, it's all worship. Amen. It's all worship. But, uh, but, but so don't separate your life even to segment, well, I go to worship on Sunday. I pray you go to worship on Monday. I remember having breakfast with, with our dear brother and friend, Brother Jerry Johnson, and, and, and Brother Jerry was, was working with uh, 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 displaced children, and, and uh, we had breakfast together at his favorite place, Whataburger, and, and uh, we prayed together, and he says, all right, off to worship. He was going to be dealing with stuff that was sticky situation and very difficult things. But to him, it was worship. Amen. I pray that we don't segment our life into the worship part and the work part. Let your work be worship. I pray that we don't think that it's, it's only music, but let it, let it be every facet of our life. May it be worship. It's you are holy. Shabbat. To address in a loud tone. <laughs> to shout. To commend glory and triumph. Uh, one Wednesday Bible study, I, I asked the question. I didn't really expect an answer. I got one quickly. Uh, I said, you ever want to know, you ever wonder what heaven sounds like? And Brother James Hart said, it's loud. <laughs> By the way, for James, that's exactly what he wants. It's loud. It ought to be loud. We ought to celebrate loud. We ought to shout to the Lord. Y'all remember those shouting Baptists? Are you a shouting saint? You ought to be. Sometimes we need to just shout. Sometimes I, I watch Robert Horton sometimes. It's like he's going to blow up. He just shouts just to let some pressure off. He's about to blow up. It's like the valve on a pressure cooker. He, he gets letting off a little bit or he'll explode right there in front of him. One generation shall shabak your words to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I love that passage of scripture. Because when you have a father and a mother so passionate that they're a shouting saint, that faith will translate to that next generation. If you have a father and a mother so passive that they can't express anything towards the Lord, the likelihood of that child wandering away is very high. That faith doesn't translate well. So may we be shouting saints. Amen. Amen. What's that? I think that was the last one, wasn't it? All right, well, amen. I want to point out this morning that there are all kinds of ways to worship. But I want to ask ourselves uh, this, first and foremost, is not how, but it's why. Why do we worship? And why do we get into battles over styles when it comes to worship? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the style. The truth is, do you worship? Jesus said, the Father, John chapter 4, the Father is seeking those who worship in spirit and in truth. There can be those who really hammer, hammer, hammer on truth, truth, truth. And the spirit is lacking. 
And there can be those who, it's all spirit, and, and sometimes we can get into, uh, into the sensationalism, and it's all, it's got to be emotional and, 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 and over the top. But God, there needs to be a balance, spirit and the truth. And Jesus says, the Father is looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. Amen. I want to just read some, some scribblings that I wrote down this week. So much of what we do is that we call for God is with selfish motive. We give to get. So even just recently I preached on generosity and, and, the, and the truth is that, that generosity is a spiritual truth that, that giving you will receive. You, it's, a, it's a law, it's a principle that does not change whether you know Jesus or not. There are businessmen who don't know God, don't love him, don't care. But they know that this is a principle that is, it's a truth that doesn't change. And they are generous and they give because they know it will come back to them. And so, so many things that we do is, is out of selfish motive. And so, we, we give to get. Sometimes we serve because it makes us feel good. We come to church because that eases a conscience maybe. But we often look for a church that offers the most for us this uh, usually ends in frustration we find out that living for self-satisfaction looks like a dog trying to chase his own tail it's always just so close but impossible to catch fact is we'll never catch it once we have grown so frustrated and chasing our self-satisfaction in the house of the Lord we sometimes just give up and say that he wasn't all that he was made out to be. Or we grow cynical of the church when, in fact, the church was doing its part all along. If by some remnant of hope left within us, we don't give up on God, if we quiet our flesh long enough to listen to the Holy Spirit, we can realize that we were chasing the wrong things, our satisfaction. Our fulfillment. The greatest news in the world today is that God's desire to be glorified and man's desire to be satisfied are not at odds. I remember the day I read that quote. I was reading a book about missions and I was in missions and traveling different places and, and I read The Supremacy of God in Missions by John Piper and, and I read that quote and it changed my life. The greatest news in the world today is that man's desire to be satisfied and God's desire to be glorified are not at odds, but that man is most satisfied in God when God is most glorified in man. And man, and God is most glorified in man when man is most satisfied in him. What, is that, what does that all that mean? It means that when I am just happy in him, when I am joyful in the Lord, when I am just so glad to be a saint, then I, I, I cause others to say, what is so good about this God that you serve? He is being glorified in my life. And you know, and the flip is also true, that when he is glorified in my life, I am just so happy to be one of his. Amen. But when I am seeking my own satisfaction, when I'm going to the world and to all the things that it offers to try and find fulfillment in my life, what I find is I never catch it. 
I can never get it. It always just seems just out of reach. Jesus says those who try and save their lives will lose it. But those who give up their lives for my sake and the gospel will find it. Amen. You want to be satisfied in this life? Then make him most glorified in your life. And that's the key. It comes through worship. Glorify God. That's what we were created for. Praise him for his glory. Praise him for his glory is our good. Exalt him. We lift him up. We find that life's meaning was not in seeking to be satisfied, but, but, but causing him to be glorified. Is he simply a means to an end for you? Are you only using God to get what you want? Or do you worship him? For who he is. For what he does. Do you know what God really wants? You ever think about that? A lot of times we, we have this imagination. What God really wants is, to me, is for me to keep my nose clean, to live a pure life, and, and go on to heaven squeaky clean. No, that's not really what he wants. I mean, I'm, I'm not casting off personal holiness. We, we, if we draw close to the Lord, that is a byproduct. But well, you know what he really wants? He really wants you to love him. We all desire to be desired. We all want to be wanted, including God. You ever think about that? Sometimes in our desire to be desired, the devil will turn that into fleshly things and, and it can destroy our lives. In our desire, our, our, our want to be wanted, we can turn to, to things that, and to, to people and to places that, that will absolutely destroy our lives. But God's desire to be desired is absolutely pure. He wants you to want him. And, and, and you know when he most shows up, is when we worship him. Back to my Baptist roots and the roots of the Baptist. Do you have a personal relationship with him? We're going to have communion in just a second. And, and, and remember, I said this last Sunday, that today, starting today for a little bit, you're going to have your own time with the Lord. You're going to have opportunity to do that. You don't have to do that. Let me just point this out, that, that Sand Springs as a house of worship, as a house that worships, you are free to worship. Everybody with me? Are y'all awake? You are free to worship and to express your love to the Lord in all seven ways. Amen? You are free to just, just bow in solemn silence. Or you are free to shout and dance. What you're not free to do. I mean, you can do it in your own mind is to criticize others' worship. I remember as a boy driving in the car, we were, we were driving from church, and, and, and something was mentioned about how somebody worshiped, and, and, and I, I think I had been to a church that it was, it was kind of crazy, and, and I had said something about it, started a family conversation about, uh, uh, about this particular way of worship, and, and my dad, he didn't say much of anything, and he, he kind of quiet. And uh, he was there driving, and, and, and when he did say something, and he said it in a tone, you, you knew it was serious. And we were all just kind of laughing and making fun, and Dad said, don't ever make fun of how somebody worships. 
That did it for me. I'm done. Because <laughs> when that tone comes out, something else follows it. And I didn't want that either. But there was David worshiping the Lord in a very expressive way. I know the passage of Scripture, in some translations, it looks like David was buck naked when he was praising and dancing and jumping to the Lord. And that's not actually true. They were bringing the Ark of the Covenant to the Lord's house. And King David was celebrating the goodness of God and celebrating that halal. He was celebrating because the, the, the ark was coming to the, the home in which it would be forever. And so he was celebrating and jumping and dancing. And his wife was up there at the house watching and saying, mm. When he got home that night, she talked about how foolish he looked before the young maidens. I love what he said. He said, oh, I'll get even more undignified than this. But when she criticized his worship, God said, we're not going to have that. She did not have another child. God closed her womb. And it's almost as if he says, I don't need to reproduce that. So yes, you're free to worship in the seven biblical ways that we have. But what we don't want, and you can do what you want on your own time, but don't think that you're going to come to me and say, uh, Preacher, I don't think people ought to be doing I don't care what you think. I know. I have been, I've got the wounds, the bite marks, the bruises, the scars of the worship wars of the past. Been there, done that, been in ministry long enough, I know what it's about. It's about selfishness. When it comes to worship, you know what that's about? Selflessness. And if I'm concerned about what someone else is doing, I'm not worshiping anyway. Worship is not self-conscious. It's not others conscious. It's God conscious. And at Sand Springs, we don't just want to be a church that worships. That worships. We want to be a church of worshipers. We don't want to just worship on Sunday morning. We want to worship on Monday morning when we don't feel like worshiping. And we got to go and show up on a Sunday morning to a job that we don't like, to see people that we don't like, and do a work that we don't like. But you know what? We will absolutely transform our day through worship. Praise your way through it. Amen? Make worship a part of your life. Let's not just be a church that worships, but be a church of worshipers. Father God, we thank you for you being as good as you are, even when we're at our worst. Lord, I, I pray that we would be a people that put a smile on your face continuously. Lord, that you would look up, you'd look at us and say, there's some folks that love me. That you would sense our heart that we are people who truly desire more of you. And even though you satisfy us even in the, in the smallest moments, completely fulfilled and satisfied by, by just a God moment, actually calls us to want more. Thank you, Lord, that you are always good and you're always doing good for us. And we worship you, Lord, not only for what you do, but who you are. Because what you do is because of who you are. You are worthy of praise. Thank you. We love you.
Jesus' name. Amen.